Hey everybody, welcome to episode 12 of Jointly Venturing. We're really happy to have my co-host Michael Moorhead back with us. He was gone for a few episodes, and today we're going to talk about the question of limits. So I'll hand it over to you immediately, Michael. What do you, what do you have to say about limits? Scotty, um, well, limits necessarily, I think invoke the question of where each of us draw the line and that then can emanate outwards to where does our local shire draw the line where does our local state government national government and international uh, protocols where do we as humans draw the line and we're being asked to draw lots of lines uh, when we consider our climate is affecting the planet the stories we tell ourselves are important here and um, carbon offsetting as a story has been very popular. It's got that neoliberal ring to it. Uh, it's something that I haven't got much faith in. Imagine that there are reasons why people would support it. But I'm interested in whether or not there's a different story. And Scott, I'm guessing that um, you might have story. Because my question to you about where we should, as humans, where we should draw the line is to start with a question about human consciousness. planet conscious of itself through the humans on it, able to avert catastrophic global warming. And what would, what's the story we need to tell ourselves as evolve into the Anthropocene? Small question. Um, <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is this, I think, you know, human beings as human beings have been around for 200, 300, 400 generations, not all that long in, in planetary terms. And throughout all of those previous human generations, prior to ours, um, there was a prevailing view amongst anybody who cared to think about it that Earth itself was infinite in terms of what it could provide and what it could withstand. Um, in terms of you know resource utilization, food growth, the amount of smoke we burned in our fires, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, this present generation, we're we're really confronting for the very first time the the limits on what planet Earth as a whole can handle, and the very explicit role that humans play in touching those limits, and and in the showing us that our human activities are so severe and so dramatic and so large scale that it's fundamentally affecting the ability of the planet to attain the equilibrium which it has had throughout most of human history. And that's manifested most obviously in the form of, of climate change. Now, average human, if you're lucky enough, you're going to get 30,000 days on this planet. You know, maybe maybe 100,000 meals, meals a day, um, if you're lucky. Every single one of those days, every single one of those meals... You know, ultimately, choices are made about how time is spent and, and how many resources one expends. The way that we have decided to organize ourselves collectively um, to date and one that placed absolutely no limits on the amount that one personal person uh, could consume, whether it's in terms of the amount of children we choose to have, amount of money we're able to have, the amount of flights we're able to take, the amount of car miles we're able to drive, the amount of, you know, steaks we're able to eat, whatever the list, whatever the case may be, the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, one of the big questions we have to confront is, you know, is it now, have we reached a stage where climate change is so bad 
Just today, you know, the, the predictions for global sea level rise over previous uh, estimates by the end of this century in 2100 to, you know, more than two meters levels. And that's just one of, you know, literally hundreds of sort of bad news stories we can, you know, come up with regarding the effects and impacts of climate change, not only on the planet, but on human beings as well. The situation is clearly not improving. It's, it's beyond doubt that the role of human beings in this process is massive. And it's only through, according to one view, um, the imposition of limits, individual consumption, that we might be able to find a pathway that enables us to avoid the worst excesses of what climate change will bring if current trends continue. Scott, you say individual consumption. Do you include in that corporate consumption like industrial consumption for example airlines uh, um, airline and, and aviation countries have recently formed treaties to organize carbon offsetting uh, but when you buy an air ticket you read that you know it's your personal carbon emission for the travel um, jet fuel has to be a huge contributor to global warming um, is do you see human consciousness setting a limit on industrial use of, say, aviation fuel, or is the limit on consumer? What's the story that human, humans need to tell themselves here to uh, avert the catastrophe if a catastrophic story is accepted? Well, I think ultimately it has to be both. Um, obviously, at the macro level, what we really need to do is into a normal way of thinking whereby we think in 10, 50, 100, and 2,000 year time frames for once, you know, yep. instead of looking at everything, you know, in immediate gratification terms, you know, no more delayed gratification, just immediate gratification. Um, and then also, you know, obviously change political structures to get away from that immediate way of thinking as well and get, you know, things in a much more long-term direction. That That's a kind of big macro level um, perspective. But we need to start looking at the true costs of the type of economic system that we have decided to you know, pursue, uh, global capitalism, globalization, etc., and the you know the negative externalities that emerge from that, most notably climate change, which you know is not just a a simple question of turning the aircon up if it gets too hot. I mean, we're talking about existential issues for the planet as a whole, and certainly our species. I mean, the report last month from Nations, the State of the World's Nature report you know, spoke of one million uh, looming uh, species extinctions um, in the coming year, in the coming years, you know. I mean, that's a staggering figure. There's already a hundred, it's already at the basis of 100 extinctions per day, you know, because of the choices that we collectively have made regarding the economic system that we wish to live under and the, and the comfort and ease, you know, that it gives us. And yes, of course, it gives us lots of luxuries and lots of comfort, you know, at levels far greater than any royal figure, king or queen would have ever had in the history of humanity. The ordinary Western dweller, middle class person is living at far more luxurious levels than Cleopatra or, or Alexander the Great or anyone else, you know, in previous um, millennia. So let's not, you know, forget that that's all true. But can we can we hope to maintain that? And can we actually hope to bring everybody up to a level of comfort and health and security and safety. That's got to be the ultimate aim if we believe in human rights. You know, if everybody everywhere um, is a valuable human being, infinite in their uniqueness and value, which they are, 
Um, how do we get them up to the level of having a house and having a sustainable food supply and having access to health care and, and all the other freedoms that are associated with human rights without destroying the planet at the same time? And until now, we've really had the perspective that you can, in fact, have it all. You know, it's an unlimited thing. You just have to grow, 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 grow. The entire international economic system is based on, you know, never-ending growth on a finite planet. So how do we have a sustainable, a truly sustainable future, which involves increasing enjoyment of all the basic human rights, including those which are linked to economic and social matters, and at the same time, you know, preserve the planet. And obviously, when we're talking about the question of limits, we talk not only about the position of individual people and large-scale corporations in terms of consumption, but also in terms of big questions that no one really wants to talk about, like limiting the amount of children that one couple can have, for instance, or limiting the, the, the world's overall population. I mean, we're at 7.7 billion people today, churning out you know thousands upon thousands of, of metric tons of CO2 every single day. And then the number just keeps increasing. It doesn't matter if we have a Paris Agreement or anything else. The number does keep increasing. Current projections say at least 10 billion people will be on the planet in a very short period of time, maybe 12. Um, and you know what's the maybe world going to be please. like then? Yep. Well, there is a 12-year, well, it's actually 2030, so it's 11-year yep. now, yep. cutoff date that a lot of climate scientists have said. You know, either you'd sort it out by then, or you will have, you know, all sorts of negative feedback loops that result in the temperature of the world not going up by 1.5 degrees, not even going up by 2 degrees, which is already impossible to endure, but going up by 3, 4, maybe even 5 degrees. So, so is it consciousness that says, oh, look, there's my air ticket, oh, there's my carbon emissions, like it's four tons? Um, is a consciousness that then just does it anyway, uh, telling itself the right story? Well, we hope, but you know, the problem is that there's a big disconnect between this incredible life that we're able to have if we have access to resources, i.e., flying around the world and being able to eat any type of food from any country in the world on any day of the week. If you happen to live in a in a luxu luxurious position in, in a wealthy country. Um, so having that, all of that, and at the same time, you know, realizing that every single individual person's decisions will, in the end, have an impact. So is, now, so some have, you know, much worse decision-making responsibility yeah, but, but, than others. But, Scott, I want to interrupt and I just ask you, who's going to pick up the bill for this? Um, is it the next generation? Is it humans living in low-lying areas? Um, I mean, has this story ex itself externalized the bad stuff? and internalize the good stuff. Um, is, is human consciousness capable of grappling with this, in your view? Well, I think increasingly is, and increasingly you do, do you see people, particularly younger people, changing their lifestyle habits in a way to reflect the scale of the danger. In terms of who's going to pay for it, I mean, it's, it's abundantly clear that the greatest victims of climate change are the ones that contributed least to, it, to the problem. Small island nation dwellers for a start, and I can name many, many others, but who have virtually zero percent impact on changing the world's environment. Well, what you mean when you say zero impact, you mean mean point oh oh one tons of carbon there, emission per there are person. Literally, there are literally yeah. some statistics in concerning Pacific island nations, which are at the front line of the impact. Their statistical contribution to global CO two levels is literally zero point zero 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 never ending list of zeros i mean we're talking that small i mean i didn't even know statistics well, went down it, that it, low almost but... as small as someone someone's um 
emissions if they're not born yet. Correct. Yeah. It's yeah? Pr- pretty much at that level. Yeah. 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 So even if there's eventually a one at the end of that series of zeros, um, mm. you can see. And, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, I mean, on average, they're probably producing um, one-fiftieth, you know, the amount of CO2 emissions as somebody living in Australia, United States, Canada, European Union, China, increasingly, and India. But, you know, that goes to the question of, you know, if China and India, collectively three billion people, um, every single one of those people wants to have everything that people in the West have gotten used to: refrigerators, air conditioning, all the. T- well, so so where do you why see, not? <laughs> so where do you see the? How can you optimistically look at a consciousness that's so consumptive and say to our listeners that human consciousness is the key to averting catastrophic global warming? I I, I want a better story. I was hoping you would have first chapter well i mean it really depends on the day actually (laughs) for me but um i mean today i happen to be reasonably hopeful but there's many days when i think you know seriously that very little chance that we will collectively come up with ways of overcoming um the severity of these problems and hope to have anything like the type of society that we have today you know globally so it's really it's a kind of race you know, the next 4,000 days, basically, 11 years, it's sort of a race between those who truly care about preserving um, our species, preserving the planet, preserving the other millions and millions of species that we live with, um, and those that are just in it for the short haul, just in it for themselves. You know, the ones that would have a bumper sticker on their car, as you so often see in the United States, you know, the one who dies with the most toys wins, you know, just absurd, grotesque um, statements like that, that, you know, are very responsible for... Uh, the type of mentality that so many people have in the world today that you can have it all at no no cost so you know it really depends on the day for me some days i'm very optimistic i see like what individual people are doing all around me tons of people are really changed their lifestyle and making really bold um decisions that may have significant personal impacts um but they figure that it's worth it to attempt to preserve life on this planet i mean we have absolutely everything we need exquisite lives for every single person alive for millions and millions of years to come um and yet we're re- we're literally at the point of blowing it we are totally at the point of blowing it this isn't even including nuclear weapons into the equation or you know rising authoritarianism and reduced democracy etc if we're thinking of it purely in environmental terms um far too few people are making choices that will ultimately result in the heat the world going down at, at the temperature increases, stopping at 1.5 and then eventually going down and doing all the things we need. Planting a trillion trees for a start, that's a, a sort of a clon- concrete objective, something else that we need to collectively do in order to keep climate change. And I'm guessing you, those trees are not all the same type of tree. Not all the I mean, same we're not talking about a, tr- a monoculture of a trillion no. trees. No, we're not. We're talking about you know every type of tree <laughs> everywhere. You know, that's one thing that individual people can do. Plant 10, 20, 50, 100,000 yeah, like trees. But that's, you know? you know, an individual carbon offset it's something. program. It's something, um, yeah. Which is the same neoliberal story we're being told now. I mean, surely, when we, when we consider where the line should be drawn, uh, we're talking about something that should be a collective decision. We? Yeah, I mean, sometimes the collective doesn't decide in the right way, as we saw recently at the Australian election on Saturday, oh. you know? I mean, that was called the climate change election by many, you know, political pundits, right? Particularly the Labour Party and the Green Party. 
and not so much by the Liberal Party, who eventually ended up winning. But clearly, this you know, climate change awareness in Australia is very high in global terms. There's no question about it. Um, but was it enough to sway people's votes? Not even close, right? So, you know, yes, it does come down to human consciousness at the end of the day, but it also depends on people, you know, willing to return to an era where actually making sacrifices was, is a good thing. You know, we've kind of, in the last 40 years in particular, this whole idea of making a sacrifice for anything has kind of gone out the window. Well, deferring um, gratification is still with us. Does that mean that we should draw the line at, right, no more, no more untaxed aviation fuel? I mean, bang a tax on it that makes air travel just totally likely, given that everyone could actually communicate with others on Skype or something. Should, mm-hmm. should that sort of a thing um, put a stop to how people see themselves in our story? I mean, can the story change? Has human consciousness in our neoliberal, ever never-ending growth story, has human consciousness got the basis for a different story? The basis for a different story. And, you know, I believe personally that this issue of limits with regard to travel in particular is a poignant one because we've never had more people traveling globally than now, you know? And in many, many respects... You know, I, in principle, believe that to be a good thing in terms of the interaction of and direct personal experience of as many people as possible with people from other cultures, other religions, other types of, you know, historical backgrounds, etc. That will bring us ever closer to a truly unified planet. At the same time, if the price is, you know, ending life, even civilization as we know it, just to allow people to fly around the world, you know, in a vehicle that's using petrol that's not taxed, well you know, then we have a problem on our hands. So, you know, let's put our energies into inventing a type of plane, and these processes are going on now, but let's let's invent a solar plane that has no negative carbon footprint that allows people to traverse the globe if they'd like um, at, at no Well, I think it was, it was Ireland, wasn't it, that just trashed all its... It just, it just went, right, sure. that's it. No more old cars on our road there too polluting mm-hmm. um and you know all the cars were new um right there are ways to do it but it's a question of will we will we do it on mass enough to the worst excesses and you know problematically the united states of america historically the biggest co2 emitter that the world has ever seen um has you know withdrawn from the you know, imperfect but nonetheless there uh, <laughs> paris climate agreement and the entire Trump administration is full of climate deniers. So, you know, if you have a situation like that where the most powerful country in the world is, is touting this message that it's not an issue, that it's just an, just just weather, whatever it may be, um, you know, that enables others, such as Bolsonaro in Brazil, who's, who wishes to, you know, basically cut down the entire Amazon rainforest um, in, you know, the interest of the jobs and the economy of Brazil. Well, you know, and, and so many others. Um, that's what happens. You start, you know, having other feedback loops in that direction whereby people just go let's just go for it let's enjoy it while we can and just party on until the bitter end certainly not in that camp you know i'm I'm, i think as flawed and imperfect as you know the human race is and and all of that it's certainly worth preserving um and you know i think what's really one of the big missing links in all of this is just that vision that you know i wish every politician had that everything we need here already on earth it's all here 
have a truly sustainable global society which can live in a you know pollution-free prosperous and harmonious way with people from all corners of this planet in a manner whereby our collective existence is guaranteed for centuries at least if not millennia to come it's all there we have it all ready for us we don't need anything from the outside and we don't need to traverse the universe to go to other planets either we've got it all right in the palm of our hands and yet we still make decisions as if none of that was possible and i think that's really where we need to shift our attention to well that's a story worth telling thanks so much Todd. My pleasure. Hope you enjoyed that, everybody. So keep listening and listen to episode 13, which will be coming at you soon. Take care, everyone. Okay, bye for now.